we're seeing so many girls and women who have put on the pill. I had, I had someone tell me she was put on the pill at eight years old for, because she was getting migraines. Oh yeah. Never, didn't even have a period. Yes. So she was getting migraines. And so yeah. these are the solutions that we're throwing at girls and women. And to me, that's almost unconscionable because their bodies are, she, I mean, I don't even know what happened. I, she, yeah, she was barely able to, to even get her her hormones online and so we're seeing this younger and younger and what are the long-term consequences of that so i think you know as a society as you know as parents if you have a teenager um it requires you to ask questions and and potentially make hard decisions about making changes hey ancient health podcast listeners i want to introduce you to a key player in the world of wellness sunlighten's infrared sauna technology when selecting a sauna for your wellness routine quality is key much like choosing the best vitamins and nutrients for optimal absorption that's where sunlighten stands out their patented heating technology is at the core of their saunas ensuring you get the safest and most effective infrared therapy that soothes rejuvenates and energizes and it offers targeted relief for aches, circulation, and an overall boost to wellness. I use mine a few days a week to ensure that my body is running at full capacity. Sunlight and saunas are user-friendly, designed for ease and comfort, making your wellness journey both effective and convenient. To learn more, visit sunlighten.com axe and use the code axe to save up to $600 on your purchase. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Courtney. I'm here with Dr. Motley, and we have an amazing guest that I know personally. I love this woman. She's brilliant. Her name is Nicole Jardim. She is a certified women's health coach, a writer, a speaker, and the author of Fix Your Period, Six Weeks to Banish Bloat, Conquer Cramps, Manage Moodiness, and Ignite Lasting Hormone Balance. She's the founder of the Institute of Menstrual Health, This program offers trainings and resources for not just U.S., but international communities for practitioners and coaches. And she's also the host of the Period Party podcast, which is wildly popular. She's been featured on so many other platforms that I'm sure you're familiar with, like Well and Good, Mind Body Green, and Healthline. She is an incredible expert in the field of women's hormones and health. And I also just love her personally. So I'm always stoked to have a friend on the podcast. So Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's really great to have you. And I didn't know that you and Courtney were like really close BFFs, but thank you so much for joining us. I hope I can add some input on this subject matter for all of you out there, but I'll try to add some nerd Chinese medicine aspects of it. So thank you again, though, for joining us. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Yes. I I can't wait for your input. I know. I think we're going to have a great conversation. Yeah. It's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be fun. Go ahead, Courtney. I just cut you off. I was just thinking, so Nicole and I were in St. George, Utah, like a few months ago. So like, we've kind of known each other, but we got to actually meet, we were like hiking and like all kinds of fun stuff, but Mm -hmm. you were actually out West the same time, Chris. And so I know trying to get you, you were like an hour away. We could have had 
Okay. There was potential there. I would have come out and, and Courtney, and I talked about that, about coming out to the next doTERRA and, you know, essential oil meeting. And I was literally like an hour away and I should have, should have come up there, but there was some funny stories that happened to me in that area near there. Um, and I'll fill you guys in later. We'll get right to the chase, but I wish I could mention now. <laughs> Yo, yeah. It was, it was pretty fun. Like, uh, literally out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And, um, they, like, I was kind of wondering about some of the, uh, the, 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 not say that I hate to use the word type of individuals in that area, but they said you had to be kind of careful in that area out in the desert. And when Courtney called, we, like, I literally could not make any connection except this one area was at the top of the hill where we were at. Um, but I'll save that for another time. But there was like some, like they told you, like you have to watch your back because people around this area, they they have their own, um, they do some CD stuff. So anyway, it was a fun <laughs> time, but uh, we shot videos for the, uh, I, I play some music for a band and I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but we were out in the middle of the desert, Nicole, and uh, I was playing a little flamenco guitar and uh, um, just, you know, watching out for rattlesnakes. And in fact, one of the times uh, this, with well, the guy that we we're staying, this big ranch, he goes, if you go over by the, the, the hay bells, you guys can shoot a part of the video over here. And he said, but there's these small green snakes that look like gardener snakes. And I was like, okay, well, he's just, you know, they'll, they'll be around the area over here. He goes, but don't let it bite you. It's like, why? He goes, you dropped dead in about two minutes. I was like, I'm not going over there to shoot a video. What are you talking about? Like, no, like I'm not going over there. So I just hung out with the horses. So that was good. Oh my gosh, guys! I'm so sorry to take this podcast. No, away. you had a way more exciting time out west than the two of us did. <laughs> that is true. That is oh, true. I we had fun, party. but we didn't have that kind of excitement. Okay, yeah. well, we'll go. We're going to catch up on this, and and Nicole, um, it's about you. So let's talk about all things hormones. <laughs> I mean, perfect the segue. Out to there. Sorry, guys. A hundred percent. I mean, completely related. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean. I'm sure most people didn't know that that Dr. Motley is in a band and plays. Oh, stop! Don't. I mean, the, well, listen, we're we're all just learning each other a little better, and I'm just glad Nicole's along for the ride. So, but I'm thoroughly as enjoying we segue this. into hormones because we are all gathered here today to learn about the our witness and <laughs> and hormones. We're 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 really goofy right now. It's a Friday. It's <laughs> great. Um, it is Friday. But, it's true. Okay, so Nicole. Here's the thing. Women's hormones are an absolute disaster for the most part for many women. I mean, it's just insane. I don't know that I talked to one woman who isn't complaining at some point or another about how miserable she feels or how she just feels like, I do not understand what is happening to my body, but things are clearly not well. So what are you seeing as a professional in this space that you're like, oh man, we got to pay attention guys. Like this is a big problem. Yeah, I think you touched on the most important point, which is that they just feel women generally feel terrible and they have no idea why. And I think that the, there's such a lack of understanding of the fact that hormones play a role in and basically have an impact on every process in the body, essentially. So there are all kinds of imbalances that can show up and are showing up these days. And I feel like for me, over the last decade, I've seen 
most commonly the period related symptoms. So heavy periods, painful periods, um, irregular cycles, long cycles, short cycles, like those are the big things that show up. And then also um, on the flip side of that, uh, you know, cycles that don't really come at all. And, or, you know, you just, you either have a super irregular cycle or you just don't get a period. And, and that can be for many reasons too. And then the big conditions like endometriosis and uterine fibroids and polyps and ovarian insufficiency or, you know, premature ovarian failure is what it's known as um, in some circles. So a number of conditions that you know, are, are so, they're so rampant. And I think one of the fundamental problems that I've come across in my work is that women aren't educated about what's normal, right? So they have no idea what's normal for their bodies and their cycles. And therefore they don't know what to look for. Uh, they don't know how to advocate for themselves. They just, they're just sort of in the dark. And I think that really education uh, about menstrual cycles is so, so important. I feel like we're all so undereducated and in many cases over-medicated. And so that's, I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're running into is that nobody really understands. Like when I think back about, you know, to the time when I was a teenager, I was put on the pill and I had heavy periods, painful periods, and then they started coming every three or four months. And I, of course, had no idea what was causing any of this. But when my doctor said, oh, well, I have a solution for that. I'll just put you on the pill. I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I have a solution. It sounds pretty easy. I'll I'll totally go with that. Um, but I was never presented with any other options. So how will we ever be able to make fully informed decisions about our healthcare if we don't get other options and we're just presented with this this one solution? So yes, I think that there you know it's multifaceted this problem. I mean that's a great point. Um, when we talk about birth control and we talk about the pill, I think it's. To me, do you guys find that in our culture and any culture that has education, when we took health sciences, do you guys remember that in school? Back in the old days when I took health sciences, did they ever teach us about our hormone levels? Did they ever teach us about what we could do to actually be healthier? They didn't really necessarily tell you that in certain cycles, I would love to touch on that in, in this conversation about like, certain cycles and certain aspects of a cycle in relation to health of your age uh, to a person in a particular time. But when we talk about birth control, like your doctor said, here's the birth control pill, take it, it's going to fix it. When we look at it, what do you think? Why is it that these methods of just giving you the pill are showing that they don't necessarily work in our culture? For some people, it may work a bit, but I, on the majority, I don't see that. But what do you see? Why it's not working? Oh my goodness. Where do I begin? That's a very vague question. So no, guys, no, I, no, I, I have, I have an answer. I was, I was just processing in my head yes, because you were talking I mean, about health sciences class and I went to a Catholic high school and I took Christian family life education. So ooh. I didn't even, I didn't even get health sciences just so you guys know. Oh, well, <laughs> There's not a whole lot okay, of learning. This is where the podcast, everybody out there is going to relate. I don't know if Courtney did, but I did too. I went to a uh, Christian school and you know anything that was talking about reproduction, sex, sexual health was kind of like, no, you're not going to be talking about that. In fact, it was like, well, if you kind of focused on that and worked about it, they think that it's going to push people towards that avenue. I was like, actually, it would, you know, um, I had a joke with one of my, uh, a lot of my doctor friends, and this is not a joke, probably. I hate to say it that way. But in that aspect, knowledge is power. And 
If you know more, you probably would abstain from things that probably weren't the healthiest for you. If you learned about how certain individuals you could tell for yourself, if you're not healthy and the other person's not healthy, probably keep you from some things. But anyway, um, let's go back to the Catholic high school. Let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I have nothing to say from that time because I learned nothing. Um, <laughs> I learned it all afterwards. But, you know, I, I think what you said about, you know, birth control and it not really fixing the issues. I think, first of all, like I said before, right, we we don't really even have an understanding of what's going on. And then we're going to the doctor and they're not really telling us what's going on either. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, you know, there's obviously such a lack of knowledge of the fact that there is a hypothalamus and a pituitary. And then there's these multiple axes in the body, right? We've got the HPA, the adrenal axis, and we've got the HPO or the ovarian axis and the thyroid axis, and they're all connected. Uh, the adrenals and thyroids take the brunt of what's going on in our lives. And they're really the ones that start acting up first. But I think because we have, uh, you know, we've so normalized the things that cause hormones to go awry in our society now that we don't even realize that there's a problem, right? There's this mm -hmm. evolutionary mismatch. And so this normalization of all the things that cause our hormones to go haywire, right? Like the, uh, it, all the, the caffeine that we drink and we start our day off that way. And we start our day looking at our phones and we end our days looking at our phones. And, uh, a lot of us are under eating and over exercising and, um, or we're not exercising at all, uh, you know, skipping breakfast, all of these things that we have, like I said, have just become so ubiquitous. This puts, puts us in this situation where we don't even realize that these imbalances are just building over time from the time that we're really young now, uh, because we don't even know that we're doing something wrong. And so then when, by the time our ovaries start rebelling against us we are we're so like far gone <laughs> and we don't even realize that so i think that when it comes to the pill side of things or you know the different forms of hormonal birth control the pill is still the most popular one um you know it, it first of all i think it depends on the birth control method so there's multiple methods and they you know they they work somewhat differently but generally speaking hormonal birth control the mechanism of action is that uh you know it's two things it prevents ovulation and or prevents fertilization and uh and then well you know there's more but I'll I'll get to that by just saying that we're just stopping that communication right between the brain and the ovaries and uh, when we're stopping ovulation uh we're stopping all the hormone fluctuations that come with it and ultimately the symptoms that we're experiencing and so we've got this synthetic estrogen the synthetic progest or progesterone known as progestin and these two you know hormones um they're basically just telling the brain like you don't need to do your job anymore type of thing so we're we're sort of just putting an end to the production of our endogenous hormones and if they don't get made uh then your ovaries aren't getting an egg ready for ovulation and so we end up in a situation where okay so we've just turned off the whole process so we've turned off the ovaries response to all of this external stimuli that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like akin to, you know, close your bet, your house is on fire and you just walk out the front door and you close it and you walk away instead of addressing the fire. So I think that that is ultimately one of the issues. And then the second thing is of course, the synthetic hormones that are found in the pill and these other forms of birth control, they come with their own set of side effects in addition to the fact that you're no longer ovulating. So it's, it's definitely multifaceted. There's no doubt. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm curious for people that are, cause I still know a lot of women that are still on the pill and they're like, I haven't had any issues. In fact, it solved a lot of my problems. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I am very regular now. I don't have cramps. Like I feel really good on it. What are they compromising on in that separation of the communication between the brain and the ovaries? Because, you know, you'll, I've heard a lot of you know, there's a lot more to ovulation other than just like potentially getting pregnant and having a child. So what's the benefit of actually ovulating when it taught, when we're, we're talking about women's health? Yeah. You know, I find this so interesting because again, it comes back to this lack of education in our society about how our bodies work, you know, health sciences class. Um, and the fact that, <laughs> We we say this, right? We're told that your period is going to be regular. I was convinced I was having a period on the pill. And we're told that we're not going to have painful periods anymore or heavy periods or whatever, insert period-related problem, right? We joke it's the pill for all ills. And so basically we're told this and we don't realize, right? So all of these women are unknowingly saying to you that their period is lighter or it's regulated or whatever, all the while not even realizing that they're they're just experiencing a complete shutdown of their menstrual cycle and their reproductive function. And so they're sort of put into this state. It's, it's almost like a menopausal state. I can certainly say when I came off the pill, it took me years to get my hormones back on track, um, even to levels that seemed acceptable. And so with ovulation, <clears throat> which, you know, is, I consider a vital bodily function and really anyone of childbearing age, I consider them needing to experience that regularly, uh, regardless of whether they want to get pregnant or not. And so there's this, this, this miss or belief that they don't need to do this, um, that we don't need to have ovulation and it's fine to just go for decades. Yet we're really seeing, at least in my work, the consequences of that. And so when ovulation happens on a consistent basis, it drives sufficient levels of testosterone, estradiol, progesterone. And then also, of course, it interacts with thyroid hormones and our HPA axis. So there's, you know, there's this whole interconnected web inside of our bodies that that aren't even, we're not taking into consideration. So when these, you know, yes, these two hormones are res are responsible for the menstrual cycle and reproduction, but actually, as you said, there's so much more. I mean, there's brain function and cognitive health. Uh, you know, they're like actually our brain's friends and we don't even realize that. And sleep regulation, um, bone density, heart health, uh, you know, so much, so much like breast health, uterine health, um, like our vaginal health, vaginal microbiome, uh, estrogen supports vaginal microbiome diversity, as well as our gut mm. microbiome, our skin health, our hair health. I mean, melasma, uh, all kinds of issues that show up, at least did for me on the pill. And I've heard this countless times before, uh, are related back to the sex hormones and their levels. So, you know, that's obviously just a snapshot of all the ways, but these are, are so critical and yet we're really just not aware of it. And, you know, and again, I, I know there's not a lot of research, unfortunately, but I see it anecdotally and I have for so many years. I, I'm sure you guys have too. It's just like, it's a hugely problematic because it's almost like a constellation of symptoms that seem unrelated. And and women are like, what do I do? I don't know where to start type of thing. Yeah, I think it definitely like when you 
feed the body so much of a certain hormone and you disconnect the brain to the body. I think it, it's not really discussed and it's not discussed at all, I don't think, in normal health talk about how you are talking about the implications between organ systems. And just the amount of estrogens that are put into the body, I don't think many people out there would realize that, like, for instance, your liver and your gallbladder have quite a bit to do to help you detoxify excess hormones. And so you're dumping all this excess hormone into the body, and then you're putting a ton of load onto the liver and the gallbladder. And they're like, yo, I don't have the genes to handle this. And so you read, you know, when somebody has melasma, somebody has excess hair growth, somebody does have hair falling out and they'll think, you know, wait, 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 the liver and the gallbladder can be affected by maybe on the pill. And I'm like, yes, it can be. And I think that's really hard. I mean, it's a sad thing that you can put a pill out there and you think, well, no other things are discussed. Liver health, gallbladder health. And then you have people that have non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome or metabolic syndrome, and they gain weight and they can't drop it. And you think, can it be interrelated? And I'm like, yes. And sadly, it's never, never discussed. So I think that is a very good point for anybody listening that the interconnection of organs, it's not just your ovaries and it's not just your uterus. It literally is like your brain, your liver, your colon, I mean, constipation for crying out loud. I cannot tell you how many times people have constipation. And I, please, guys, if you're taking the pill out there, ladies, I'm not being harsh. I'm just saying that it is one of the biggest implications because they can't move their bile out of their system because their liver and gallbladder are so screwed up from the pill. Um, anyway, on that rant, I'm I saying if that. somebody does have that much, you know, influx of hormone, um, I've seen it where a patient would come in and say, Hey, I want to get pregnant now after 20 years of taking the pill. Um, what do you recommend? Like, okay. So they have all this influx of hormone. They want to clean it out. And they're saying like, Hey, Nicole, what do I do to clean all those extra things out to support my body after I get off of it? What are some of the tactics you employ for people who ask you that? Yeah, I, you know, just want to speak really quickly to what you said about the liver gallbladder thing, because I can't tell you when I got into this work, it never occurred to me how many women I would meet who are, who've had their gallbladders removed uh, at, you know, in their twenties and thirties and, and across the board, they'd been on some form of hormonal birth control. And I, I think again, right. It's just this mm -hmm. ex exactly what you're talking about. The gallbladder and the liver, they work hand in hand and these synthetic hormones really place a really big burden on them. I mean, they affect the gallbladder motility. They affect the bile flow, uh, you know, contribute to the gallstones, all of these issues. And like you said, then you're so constipated. It was the story of my life. I swear I spent five years on the pill. And, you know, and constipation was basically the thing. And so I, I just, and I had all these problems. So it, it all makes sense, of course, but it's funny when you start to connect the dots. And I think that that's the great thing is that women are really finally starting to see the the connection between mm. all of these different body symptoms. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's huge. And it's obviously a really big part of what we do to, to start to help someone turn things around. And so the first thing is, and I think this is probably across the board, is 
if you're experiencing side effects, right, associated with insert birth control method, right, you've got IUDs, you've got the pill, you've got other ones that are similar to the pill, like the patch and um, the vaginal ring. And uh, and then we have like the birth control shot and whatnot. And so they're all various uh, synthetic hormones that are associated with these, these types of birth control. And and while generally speaking, they all have the same kinds of side effects, uh, they they can show up a little bit differently depending on the type of synthetic progestin, for instance, that's used. And so I think that if you're experiencing side effects, that's a sign that something is awry. And, mm. and I think that that's the first thing, right, is to like really find it within yourself to, to go and see your doctor and have a conversation and really get educated about what could be happening here. Because I think that's the first step that a lot of us don't take because we are just so accustomed to the side effects and feeling like crap. Mm. And, and so I, you know, I always really encourage clients and anyone really to talk to your doctor, figure out, uh, you know, is this the right birth control for me. Um, I think it's a big decision, but I also think, well, your health and your long-term health are really worth it. So that's really the first step. And then I think the second step really is to prioritize these foundational components, right? And I've, I talk about this extensively in my book and, you know, I'm talking about it, in my membership and whatnot, but basically it's that you've got to figure out, first of all, if you're on a form of birth control that potentially allows you to ovulate like a copper IUD, for instance, mm -hmm. figure out whether you're ovulating. That's the first step because that could be a big part of the symptoms you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, to me, that's, that's a big thing um, for someone who is either uh, recently off the birth control pill or off of a hormonal form of birth control, or they're on a, a form of birth control that still allows ovulation, like some progestin only ones do as well. So anyways, that's, that's again, the beginning stages of becoming period literate. And then this, the next thing is what, it, what are you eating and how are you eating? I think what you're eating and how you're eating are almost equally important. And so, you know, I really work with everyone to figure out like, what does your plate look like? What, when are you eating? Are you having coffee before you eat? Are you eating three meals a day? Are you having snacks? Are you eating enough protein? Is your blood sugar balanced? So we really start to look at all of those aspects of, of, someone's diet. And from there, you know, I go into, like I said before, blood sugar to me, that's a really big one. I, when I work with all of these women with a uh, major period issue, like period pain related issues or pelvic pain or ovulatory pain, one of the first steps is, okay, can we uh, get a CGM? Can we track your blood sugar? Let's see what's going on there. And is that just a, a trigger for inflammation in the body? Um, and then we look at stress and whatnot as well. Like I think stress is one of the biggest things and sort of like adrenal support hacks. And what can we do with your sleep? What, how, you know, what do we, how do we address the, the issues that are happening here? Because as I was saying earlier, right, so many of us just don't even realize it's actually our adrenals and our thyroids that are so burnt out that are then trickling down, causing these ovarian issues. I talked about this in my book, this hormonal hierarchy and the idea that, you know, there's, there definitely is a hierarchy and the adrenal and the, um, blood sugar hormones, insulin are like the queen bees and they have an impact on everything down below. And so we have to, I feel like start at the top because 
starting it down at the bottom, you know, yes, it can help relieve symptoms for sure, but I'm a big fan of starting at the top. And so basic things like, uh, you know, what, when do you turn your phone off and your computer and what's going on with the light at night in your house? Are you wearing blue blocking glasses? And are you, um, you know, like relaxing before bed? Uh, are you taking magnesium before you go to sleep? Like some of these like basic things, again, I feel like the basics are so often overlooked for like the next shiny object. <laughs> I'm sure you guys can relate to that. So yeah, I think that the the basics or the foundational pieces aren't so, so fun and exciting. And, uh, but I, I do really like to start there and I, I could go on, but I'll stop for now. <laughs> I know Courtney, I just want to ask a real quick question on that, on that mode. When you think, uh, when you're talking about starting at the top for everybody listening, like when we start with like the thyroid and its connection to adrenals and we talk about burnout, um, maybe something we can talk about this a little bit later. Does it occur like so people know that they should, let's say for their thyroid and they go into burnout and they have a program in their body, in their life, because they're always on the go. You're always on your phone. You're always trying to get to the next appointment. Then you they would have to factor in like maybe they had some form of infection that got into the thyroid or did their constant stress levels allow weakness within the thyroid that could allow like an infection to be attracted to the tissue because it's so weak, like Epstein-Barr virus, having Hashimoto's, having that autoimmune effect or um, constant strep infections that are in the throat? Because I see that quite a bit with individuals that have ovary issues. And so in my weird way of checking people, I'll check with like they call the triple warmer and the pericardium uh, meridians in Chinese medicine. So what we do is we'll check the ovary area. And then a lot of times with the system, it leads me all the way back up to the triple warmer points, which are, are your thyroid. So um, is that is that a big effect too? Because I always think that thyroid has a lot to do with your emotions too. I think the emotions of not being able to speak your voice, not being able to express the frustration in your life. And it combines in this area, like in your throat, because that's the natural action of your throat. It's like to, to tell somebody something like, I can't say this enough. And so it combines, it gets tight, and then you get infections. Man, that was a big, a big prologue. But basically what I'm asking Nicole is, is that ever an effect on the person, like with the top of the chain, infections yeah. in the thyroid and your emotions? Does that have a big effect on your ovulation and working with, you know, your estrogen and uh, testosterone? Yeah. You know, I feel like I call these the unseen stressors. I feel like they're the physical stressors, the mental, emotional stressors. Um, and the physical ones are these hidden infections or these undiagnosed things like, you know, like you said, Epstein-Barr and various others, Lyme disease, whatnot, um, parasites, um, mold toxicity. I feel like that is level two of healing in a way, because oftentimes when someone comes to me, they're not, they're really, they're not doing a whole lot. And so they, they really need to establish just that foundation, see how they feel and then go from there. Because oftentimes, and I'm curious what your thoughts are too on this, is that someone comes to me and they've done, I don't know, 
$2,000 worth of testing and uh, they they still feel clueless. They feel like the protocols were all too hard and they just don't know where to start. And they're even more burnt out than they were before. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes, yeah, I, I, I like to, to get back to basics and keep it simple, but I completely agree with you that there are definitely cases of this. Like when you think about the thyroid and the fact that first of all, it's determines your, your basal body temperature, right? It's your mm-hmm. Thermostat, and you need to have you. Your body needs to be at a certain temperature in order to carry a pregnancy, in order for a fertilized egg to to attach to the uterine lining and to grow. So I feel like if your thyroid isn't operating at peak, you know, performance, then you're going to run into problems. Like you, your ovaries need to produce enough progesterone so that your thyroid can produce enough thyroid hormone, and then the cycle goes around. You need thyroid hormone for your ovaries to work. There receptors on the ovaries. So a hundred percent. And I think again, right, that the thyroid is so overlooked in modern medicine. It's, it's, you know, women will go to their doctor. This is, I've seen a lot where you're on the pill, you develop depressed feelings, anxiety, or, you know, you start to feel like you actually have depression and you go to the doctor and then they put you on an antidepressant, but it's likely because the pill is down-regulating your thyroid function. So, right. And I've seen this a million times and oftentimes women will say to me, you know, I thought it was weird. I'd never really had any of these feelings before, but then a year into taking the pill, this is what happened. And then now I'm on an antidepressant as well. Oh, and actually then a, a doctor put me on thyroid medication because they noted they tested my thyroid and they noticed it, that it wasn't working well. So I'm like, yeah, this, you know, it all goes hand in hand, right? It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And this is good. Go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. Yeah. Corey, I cut you off. That. I, 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 it is like a, it's a total trickle down effect. But what I, I hear you saying too, is that it's a lot of peripheral things. So it's like, we see the byproduct or the end product, which is, Hey, we've got painful periods or irregular periods. What's crazy to me is that like, we're, we're so trigger happy with young, young women. And when I say we're, I'm talking about like conventional med docs. So that's definitely not us, but like (laughs) when we're talking about like, you know, I have an almost 12 year old daughter. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of hormones, there's a lot of things going on with her, her friends, all this stuff. And it's like the, the, the rapid pace of the conversation going from, Hey, this child is now, you know, maturing, going through puberty. And it's like, oh, we already see a problem. We're just going to, you know, advise that they, they get on the pill. And I'm like, okay, this child's like 12, 13 Mm -hmm. years old. Like their body hasn't even established a rhythm yet. Really? Like it's like right out of the gates. We're like, oh, this doesn't look right. Which, you know, there's so many things that are attached to the lifestyle that are contributing to that. But then they're on it for like, 10, 15 years, and then they come off, you know, or, you know, Mm -hmm. even longer. And then their body's super dysregulated. Now they've got nutrient deficiencies because we know the pill can deplete certain nutrients. So for some of these conditions that women feel like my only option that I'm given to help say like they have endo or PCOS, like, you know, we've never really addressed blood sugar. We've never really addressed, you know, all these things that probably could have helped support their hormones. Like, I'm sure you have a million stories for this, but for somebody that feels like their only option is a form of birth control, hormonal birth control to help control their symptoms. What have you seen work 
you know, or combination of therapies or herbs or whatever it is that you're like, this stuff actually works. This will actually heal your hormones as opposed to just overriding the biological processes with something synthetic. Hey, Dr. Axe here. Have you ever taken an ice bath? Cold plunging has become my secret weapon to get better sleep, reduce inflammation, and boost recovery. I personally have a cold shirt tub, and it's been a game changer. I just walk up to my tub and get in, no prep, no ice, no hassle. Thanks to the chiller, the water is always the perfect temperature whenever I need it. Plus, my cold shirt tub has a filtration system, which means my water stays clean and full, constantly saving me tons of water and money. And on top of it all, I earn cold coins for every purchase, which redeems savings off other products and accessories. So whether you've tried cold immersion or you're just dipping your toes in the water, culture is worth checking out. Head over to culture.com and use the promo code AXE to save $200. That's culture, C-O-L-D-T-U-R-E.com slash ancient health or promo code AXE for $200 off. A hundred percent. I mean, everything that I was just talking about, it takes work, right? And I, I think that that's another fundamental flaw of our modern society is that uh, we have we've been sold the lie that you can that we can all somehow we can function in this society, but not very well. And as I was saying earlier, I was talking about this evolutionary mismatch, this idea that we have we we are our biology just doesn't do well in the modern world and this world that we've created. And so it requires, and again, I'll talk about teens in a second, because I, I think that that's a bit of a different story. I mean, for us adults, it requires taking a really hard look at what your life is like right now. If you have the means to do that, I recognize a lot of us actually don't, um, but really making decisions. I mean, for me, I, I worked in film production in my twenties. That was like my big dream. I, so I left that to come do this. Um, and I, you know, I had, I really struggled. I mean, I, you know, working 16 hour days and you were doing overnight shoots and it was nuts. Um, craft services, you know, a lot of sugar, <laughs> all the things. And I, the, the issues that I'd had as a teenager, I'd seen an acupuncturist in my early twenties and I managed to resolve a lot of them came off the pill, but then they all came raging back in my mid to late twenties as I got more and more into this work. And so we have to start to correlate, right? The, the, the lifestyle and the symptoms because our bodies, they don't speak English or any language. They speak their own language and it's the language of symptoms. And so you have to be able to look at and connect the dots. And so then, you know, fast forward, I, you know, was, I moved to New York, I was living in the city and it was crazy. And then right before the pandemic, we left. And then I ended up living now in the country. And I cannot believe, I didn't want to believe it at first because I love New York, but leaving that insane environment was, was absolutely game-changing for my adrenal health, my body, everything, how I function completely. And so I, I think that, again, it, you don't necessarily have to leave where you live, guys. I'm just saying. You don't have to do that, but so, but sometimes you do. And it, it was sh so shocking to me because I thought, oh yeah, you know, I've got like all the healthcare stuff dialed in. I'm good, you know, but obviously that environment was just way too stressful for my body. And I, I 
couldn't function optimally in it. And now, and now on the other side, you can see that. So mm-hmm. hindsight is amazing. Um, with all of that said, though, I think with teenagers in particular, it's so challenging, right? Because it's this very rocky, tumultuous time. I mean, when you think about it, this body is going from never having had a menstrual cycle to having a period. And what is involved in that process between the brain and the ovaries and the adrenals and thyroid is kind of incredible. And so, of course, it's going to be rocky. And instead of acknowledging that and and sort of working within that framework, we're just like, let's just shut this thing down. And like you said, right, both of you said we're seeing so many girls and women who have put on the pill. I had I had someone tell me she was put on the pill at eight years old for because she was getting migraines. Oh, yeah. Didn't even have a period. Yes. So she was getting migraines. And so these are the solutions that we're throwing at girls and women. And to me, that's almost unconscionable because their bodies are, she, I mean, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. She was barely able to, to even get her, her hormones online. And so we're seeing this younger and younger and what are the long-term consequences of that? So I think, you know, as a society, as, you know, as parents, if you have a teenager, um, it requires you to ask questions and and potentially make hard decisions about making changes. In fact, I had someone who was in my program a couple of years ago, and she was just talking to us in our Facebook group about her daughter, who's also your daughter's age, Courtney, uh, maybe 13, but she was having like massively painful periods, very disruptive of her life. And her mom has endo and she's worked tirelessly to address that. And her daughter eats really well. She's doing really well, but she finally, you know, ran a GI map on her and did a few other tests and discovered that, you know, she had a parasite and she had like general dysbiosis. And when she was able to clean that up, things changed dramatically. So in many cases, it's the solution is actually quite simple, but I, you know, we either don't know or, um, or it's just challenging with a teenager. And so I think that is where education of your child comes in, right. And saying like, well, this is, this is why this is happening. And, and these are the things that we can start to look at to, to maybe affect change, um, in your symptoms. But again, I know, I know teenagers are challenging. (laughs) I mean, like with teenagers too, it's like, I would suspect like if you, you know, like you have a young one that's been put on birth control at eight years old. And now we see in our culture that you place a lot of estrogen and progestin like into a person and the long-term effects is we don't know the actual bio-individuality of each kid. One kid could have the gene receptors to actually break down estrogens in a healthy way. So they may not have as bad as effect as somebody else who can't break down the estrogen. So now we're seeing, seeing childhood obesity. We're seeing weight gain more than I've ever seen before with my patient load. And you think, well, how much of that is because estrogen deposits have been placed in the body in certain areas. And then, right, like you, I love it that you describe on your feed about how estrogens deposit in certain areas of the body. And now, you know, then there's a self-image issue with these teenagers that go, oh, I got to meet up and I'm something's wrong with me because I can't lose this weight. And the education part of it's so saddening to me. It's because, oh, we can throw a birth control pill at a migraine. And I just 
it just goes beyond my, you know, my comprehension why that occurs. So that's why I'm so thankful for your education, because, you know, for the parent out there that has a daughter that's gaining weight or has this issue, no way trying to make them feel bad about anything. It's like they only did what they knew what they're supposed to do yeah. um, with that. Because teenagers, you say it's hard to work with them. I, I know sometimes with the patients, like when they bring their teenagers in, I'm like, no knock on the teenagers listening if there's any of them out there listening. But I'm like, <laughs> no knock. I'm like, how how much do they really want to give up dairy? Or how much? And do you ever find it's like, okay, you know, they'll give up dairy because I, but I can't watch them every day and I can't go with them to school. What are the natural things that you would tell them? Because I love how you say it's simple. I always tell people slow and steady wins the race. You got to stay simple. You can't go crazy. What are your natural things you say that you do in place of birth control for a teenager? Like, you know, because I mean, I would, you know, I don't know if I ever have kids, but if I ever do, I'm going to listen to this. I'm actually very curious about this question because I'm, I'm done. (laughs) I'm tapped out. So, and you know, fertility Uh, awareness method was in place and we have a one-year-old. I'm just saying, maybe I'm doing it all wrong, but yeah, give us the, give us the, you guys, I mean, this is the challenge. I get asked this question all the time and I don't really have the most amazing answer because I, first of all, I think it's so individualized and also someone will say to me, well, what's the safest, most effective birth control? I'm like, well, it's so dependent on your circumstances. And also every form of birth control has a failure rate. It might be small, but unless you're completely abstaining and I don't want to sound like, you know, someone from 1955, but. Oh, you are Nicole. You're sounding just like that. That's a joke. But I I really, unless you're abstaining completely, then it's not a hundred percent. And so I I think that obviously we have to consider that Courtney, you obviously know this very well. Uh, based on our experiences, but you know, I think, okay. I think there's definitely a pros and cons, right? And I think knowing your teenager, uh, is so crucial because when I think about, you know, for instance, the effects of the birth control pill on mood and, uh, you know, there was a group, big study done in Denmark and looked at, uh, I, I think maybe a million women, teenagers, women, um, and, uh, the teenagers, on these hormonal contraceptives were, I think, 50% more likely to be diagnosed with depression within six months of starting the contraceptive uh, compared to non-hormonal contraceptives um, or, you know, or yeah, that were not on, on hormonal contraceptives. So I feel like, first of all, it's yes, it's knowledge and understanding your body. And I think that as parents, things have really shifted in that we're having a lot more conversations about our bodies and menstrual cycles and sex and things like that. Whereas I I don't know, did you guys have conversations with your parents about this stuff? I didn't. No, I mean, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. It's uh, like, no, no. no. <laughs> I, like, no. Yeah, I said no five times. I said no about 15 times. Just like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly. So I feel in just a generation, things have really shifted. And what I think is also amazing to see, especially on TikTok, is how many young girls are tracking their cycles and really understand what what's going on. Um, that just is unheard of. That was not not a thing just 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I think things have really changed dramatically. There's a lot more openness around uh, these topics 
And, you know, and there are devices now. So there's things that I feel teenagers can relate more to because technologically speaking, they're way ahead of all of us. And so I'm thinking about, you know, there's there's a device known as the Tina and they're made by the company that makes the Daisy. And so that's a, another fertility monitor. But the Tina is specifically for tweens and teens. And, and what I like is that you take your temperature and then it will show you when you've ovulated. So it's not meant to be used as birth control. It's meant to be a cycle tracker, but it will actually tell you when you're ovulating or when you have ovulated so that you really have an understanding of your cycle versus just tracking your cycle on an app where, you know, apps 80% of the time cannot predict ovulation because they're doing it retrospectively. So it's just not, it doesn't make sense. Um, when you're tracking your fertility signs or signs from your body, then obviously that's going to be much more accurate. So, you know, and they have an app too, that is so educational. It's got a ton of great content. So that's one thing that I've recommended to a lot of parents. And then, like I said, having these open conversations and, and, you know, you can, I think that the other thing is too, right. Is that some of us can go on the pill and be okay. I, I've certainly seen that. I, and I'm not denying it by any means. And so I think that that's important as well. And there's also IUDs. And again, I, I think that there are side effects with everything and there are obviously failure rates, but uh, you know, those, the longer acting ones like the IUDs tend to, um, you know, be really good too for a teenager. If you know your kid and you know that the, them tracking their cycle or using the fertility awareness method isn't going to work. Um, so again, I, I think it's, there's definitely a risk assessment that has to happen and lots of conversation. If, you know, you can have open dialogue, I think it's so useful. Um, and also like from a young age, really just being so cool and calm about periods and sex and whatever. And I, we, it's so difficult, I think, as adults, because we bring all of our own childhood trauma and all of our baggage around these topics to conversations. But what I've really loved recently is having conversations with friends of mine who you know, like they're changing a tampon in the bathroom and their two-year-old comes in and they're like, what are you doing, mom? And, and she explains it and they're like, okay, cool. You know, and they move on because they don't have any attachment to this stuff. Yeah, You know, like one of my friend's daughters, she would call her period, the volcano, which I find hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, so I just feel like kids are not the attached. To they don't have weirdness around this. And so if you talk about it from the get go, you could, I feel like you can have, you can have these, these great conversations with them as they get older and then really try and make a decision for them because it, it is so individualized, as I said, it's, it's a, it's a difficult one for sure, but I think it's doable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, okay, so we have three girls, so this is like, and you know, my, so, you know, Marley, the baby, so she's only one, but the other two are getting a little bit older and you know, my middle child, she's at the gym all day with these gymnasts and a lot of them are older too. So oh. I do think that like having conversation about this early and like even just explaining that like different weeks of your cycle, like different weeks of the month look different. Like mm -hmm. I I'm trying to train the girls to understand that like their body needs something different for them from them every single week. So yeah, yeah you may be able to get out there and just like crush it and play hard and soccer and do stuff. But if you feel tired in your luteal phase, like that's okay too. And maybe you just need to like your jets. Like maybe if you need to skip a practice, like listen to your body, like stop mm -hmm. allowing the system 
to tell you what you need to be showing up as every single day, because the more you could own it. And like, I had a lot of hormone problems, like between baby two and three. And so which is why number three was such a surprise because I basically didn't have a cycle for like eight straight years. And, um, and so it was really, you know, you're not tracking anything when, when there's nothing to track. So, um, but you know, she just, she showed up and ever since then, like, I've just been like, oh my gosh, this is insane. My body's like, it's like back to doing what it's normally supposed to do. And I think that there's a diff, there's a different level of like appreciation for your body because it is a vital sign. So like, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, I mean, your cycle being regular and pain-free, that's a really good indicator that your body, all of the things North of that, like your thyroid and and adrenal health, like that's all gotta be sitting pretty good because when that stuff's a firestorm, I can tell you for sure your reproductive system is going to be a big Mm -hmm. crap show. Like it's not going to be good. So that's where it's like, I'm always like, okay, protect whatever you need to do. Like make sure that the fertility system of your body looks really good and feels really good. Because if it doesn't, then likely your adrenals are taxed. Like you're just, the stressors on your life are starting to weigh on your body and you've got to be able to address them. Otherwise it's a freaking dumpster fire from there on out. Dumpster fire. I love it. And then you get older and then it's a bigger dumpster fire as I'm learning (laughs) in my forties. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that we get this message. I feel like this is one of our bigger problems too, is that we have so many problems, but anyway, we, you know, we, we get this message from this young age, right? That puberty is a nightmare and you're going to have these terrible teenage periods and, and teenagers are just a nightmare. You know, like we, we hear this all the time. Like I, if I hear one more time about how teenage girls are just, you know, a nightmare, it drives me crazy because I'm like, why are we putting this on our children like this? This doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, why aren't we meeting where the, them where they're at? Like, I just know being in my 40s and what my hormones are doing. I I I remember what they were doing in puberty, and you know, and we joke right that 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 for your 40s is your second puberty, uh, and so far it's really shaping up to be that way. It's crazy, and I take really good care of myself, so there is that too. But my point is, is that we we hear that messaging over and over again, and then we hear that, you know, then you you have to go on the pill because you have to solve all these problems. This is the only way you can fix all of these issues that you have. And then pregnancy and getting pregnant is also challenging. And and pregnancy is challenging and postpartum is a nightmare. And, and then we go on and on and then perimenopause and menopause, and then you die. And I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like how can women just be getting the message that every decade of their life is basically going to suck because of their hormones. Mm. And so I think we really have to change that messaging. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that um, never experiencing what you ladies have to go through. I, I have seen in the office though, and for anybody out there, I've, I've worked with patients that have, have hormone issues. And you say that there is that stigma, you know, especially like, you know, we're they're giving the pill or changing hormones at a younger age. And so it's a tough thing to think like, uh, what am I going to expect in my 20s and in my 30s? And I think it's a beautiful thing about learning your your bioindividuality, like your cycles, how you could at your particular age, like you're saying how individual on TikTok or Instagram start to learn themselves really well. And I think it's really encouraging that they can say, okay, well, definitely my estrogen levels could give me some mood issues. I could have more bleeding at this time. I could have this uh, cessation of a period because of this condition or this phase in my life. 
because there's so much fear involved nowadays. It's like, oh, heavens, like, you know, um, if I miss a period, you know, for two months, something's definitely got to be wrong. And more than more than often now that I've even seen in the last six years, six, seven years is like for individuals who've not had a period for a long time and they're getting to age where they want to have a second or third baby. Like they had one early, they want to have a second or third later. And they literally like Courtney said, like I got used to not having a period and more investigation, doing some hormonal testing. And then you go, well, there could be some um, kidney weakness and thyroid and adrenal health issues. And then when you work on those and start cleaning up all the things that the thyroid was heavy with. I had patients that come in like, Dr. Molly, I've thrown clots. I don't know how many clots I just released in the last two days, like so much that I don't even know where it came from in my body. And, you know, the, the detoxification system mm-hmm. of having a period is never really looked at in my opinion. And so what I'm saying is like with this, you know, young education for young, you know, ladies and such, I want to say, I tell some of my patients, it's like, it's not just about having babies and it's really about you getting rid of old toxic stuff. And I think the education platform, I wish they had even more education in high school and even in middle school. And maybe I may get, you know, beat up about that comment, but it's, there's a point where I'd rather people learn a real basic health information at younger ages, you know, in the sense, like what's, what can we look at in a very straight, simple format? Because I don't know about you in your school, my school, we it was like shunned. Like, no, we don't talk about that. Um, you know, that stuff happens naturally. Everything's okay. You know, and so nowadays I'm thinking this kind of stuff needs to come to the forefront, especially for for women's health. So, I mean, I'm thankful for the information that you're providing, though, with this. And um, I think also, as I keep on jabbering, I, there's a point to this. When we're talking about the natural things that help with birth control and we're talking about an education platforms, where do you see where do you see this health realm going like in this particular um, this particular avenue in our culture, in our society, in the government, in in our education system? Do you see any changes like they're going to start changing the way they approach this education? I don't No, I'm kidding. I, I mean, I think that there are. <laughs> I know I'm so fatalistic, but I, I feel like there there certainly are changes that are happening. Um, but I think I think sex education is only required in 13 states in high school, possibly. Wow. Yeah, it's only mandated in uh, in a small handful of states. It's shocking. Um, and I, I could be wrong, but it is a really low number. And it is so shocking to me when I heard it. And so I think again, right? This is a fundamental problem. And it does make you wonder, well, why, who's behind this? Why are we not having these conversations? Why is this education being withheld when, as you said, right, it's just really basic foundational information about how bodies work. I I will say, I mean, Courtney, I don't know, you know, what your 12 year old is learning in school, but I have a friend who has twins and they're also 12. And she showed me some of the paperwork from their health education class. And I just about fell over. I mean, the diagrams look like they're from the eighties and, and it's such, I mean, it's uh, half of it is misinformation. I was stunned. So I don't know. I think in on an, because of social media, 
I, it's amazing. I mean, what I see out there, I, I remember I, I was talking to Holly, a friend of mine who runs the social media for the, the Tina app, like I was talking about before. And she's like, you know, I got a million views on one of my TikToks and I'm so happy about it. And, and she gets a bazillion questions from teenagers about all kinds of cycle things because they don't have anyone to turn to. They don't, they're not getting any information at school. I believe the stats show that the majority of teens get their information or at least used to from their friends. And now it's mm. social media. And so I, you know, I think that through these indirect channels, things are really shifting, but it's not through the direct channels that I'd really like to see it come from higher up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm also curious, you know, talking about kind of the change in the landscape of, you know, the pill and hormones and periods and all this stuff, you know, it did just change a little bit in that now there's an over-the-counter option for birth control, which to me, I'm like, what goes back to like the foundations, right? And I, I mean, I'll, I won't get on my soapbox here, guys, you know, I'll, I'll do that another time, but <laughs> a lot of it is that, Hey, we want for young people to have access to something that was prior, like a prescription, because it solves an immediate problem. You've got all these teens they are all worried about getting pregnant. They're all worried about, you know, their period and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm just going to slap a bandaid on it. I'm just going to get the pill. They're not going to have the conversations. They're not going to have the understanding. There's zero respect and regard for your body at that point. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. None of us at the mm -hmm. age of 15 really cared what our body, because your no. body's young, it's resilient. I mean, it can bounce back, you know, so easily. It's not until you hit 35 or 40 or beyond. And all of a sudden it's like one misstep, you're paying the repercussions for days. <laughs> so, you know, at a young age, and it's also like, like you said, it's this stigma of like, I'm ashamed. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Like I am trying to bust through that comp that just in the home. So like, if you're a parent, just, I just think like the best way is just to model it, like live your life. Like I want my girls to know that like, Hey, that's like, that is like your superpower. You do not need to be ashamed of it. Like that is a sign that your body is healthy. And like, we're going to adapt our lifestyle to your body so that your body can thrive. But yeah, I mean, this whole, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what do you think that the ramifications long-term are going to look like now that mm. we have this as an option over the counter? It's a great question. I know it's so interesting. Um, I have such mixed feelings about it because I think obviously, and, and regardless of where everyone stands on, you know, in the perspective around Roe v. Wade and access, access to abortion in the U.S., uh, it feels, it felt a little like, uh, oh, let's just do this uh, now that those rights have been, you know, have shifted for so many people across the country. And so I thought it was, the timing was interesting, although I know it's been they've been working on it for a long time. I've been hearing about it for a long time. It's, so it's a progestin only birth control. So it's kind of like a mini pill is, you know, is often what it's referred to. And so generally speaking, it's it's safe. But there are, you know, there are multiple different progestins uh, that exist. So there are different side effects that come with it. But, you know, some of the the biggest side effects are that, you know, you're 
the mental and emotional ones I think are, are some of the biggest, right? It's like the depression, depression or depressed feelings, uh, the anxiety, um, and then like irregular bleeding, things like that. So while there aren't, you know, as many side effects, I would think as an estrogen progestin birth control option, there, there certainly are side effects. And I think we have to really consider those. Um, and so, the other big concern I have too is that some of us go to the doctor's office. We don't read that insert that comes with a pill or any of our medications, do we? We don't look at the side effects. We don't look at really how to use it effectively. I'm assuming that if you buy these, maybe you could chat with a pharmacist on how to do this, but I, I doubt if anyone who's who's buying these pills, we it's likely going to be teenagers who mm. don't want to talk to anybody about this. They just want birth control and they uh, don't feel like they can talk to anyone about it. So are they reading the instructions, you have to take a progestin only pill at the same time every day for, for maximum effectiveness. Is that happening? So, you know, there are lots, I feel like it's so multifaceted and there are so many concerns associated with this. And at the same time, I feel like, okay, so someone could get access to birth control that they might not have had before. And, and that might be a game changer for them in their lives. So it's, it's conflicting. Oh, I, I think that this is a great question to even for people out there to think about. I mean, after this podcast to sort of, you know, not to be overwhelming to anybody out there. You know, that's a great question, Courtney. And like, it's like, what are our long term? And so you don't want to make it too complicated because people, people could say like, well, if you have an over the counter, it doesn't take into consideration if that person can genetically can break this down or they had a diet high full of sugar or they live into a toxic stressful environment you know you are trying to solve an immediate issue and you could see that somehow it can may have some benefit to some individuals with their hormone levels it is a very tough quandary to look into in this day and age because in the long run you never know like you say after 40 or 50 years of age your methylation cycles your you know your stem cells kind of wear out you know they don't teach people that when they're young like you know your stem cells are not going to be around all your life and they're like and you don't care i mean i could gain weight after 35 <laughs> and you're like oh i mean but you know that's the thing that it's great about education about learning that's what we want to be up and positive about it too um but I just think that when you keep it simple, I'm like, just be careful of all the sugars, all the dairy, drink plenty of water, get a lot of minerals in your diet, you know, take some basic vitamins and minerals. But now we see like we have parents having to take their kids to soccer practice and take them here and here and here. And then all the kids are like running around and they're completely tired, you know, and it's like this little revolving cycle, you know, 22 catch 22. But I think everybody out there that's listening, it's like, take one step at a time, you know, just to like listen to the information Nicole gives and try to take those first easy steps. So, man, we could keep going on with this. I love this information, though. But we got to we got to they they're going to ask, like, how do I take steps? Like, what do you, what book? What's your book? Where's your website? What Instagram feed? Where could they find more information about you and about this subject? Yeah, I, you know, and, and to come back to what you said too, I agree, right? We're also overwhelmed, you know, just start with the basics. Like I said, I, I listed off, you know, a bunch of like those basics and I walk everyone through that in the protocol in my book, Fix Your Period. Um, I have a membership that is 
on the verge of launching and I have protocols for basically everything. You've come off the hormonal IUD, I got something for you there. You have ovarian cysts, I got something for you there too. You know, whatever it is, because I, I really want everyone to understand that this comes back to as you were saying, right? Like the nutrient deficiencies and what's happening with your liver and your gallbladder and your gut. And again, we would never equate, you know, just a regular person would never equate their gut health with what's going on with their menstrual cycle. Cause why, why would you do that? Mm. Um, it's all separate. <laughs> so, you know, that's really what I want to come back to. And I I'd say like, if you work on anything, try and work on getting good quality sleep and getting sunlight in your eyes in the morning, getting maybe some sunset light in your eyes in the late afternoon. Um, and, and just work on, uh, you know, taking care of your blood sugar. So making sure you, you reduce the amount of carbs you're having. I think that the blood sugar thing is, is like an epidemic, right? It has been the thing that has caused, at least in my experience over the last decade, so many issues. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that, but the protocol in my book, I explained so much in there, like what's normal, what's not for a period uh, so that you can really know, okay, well, am I, where am I on this spectrum? And, um, and then also, uh, you know, my Instagram, my blogs, uh, there's a ton of information that you can find on like what your next steps are, depending on where you're at. Like, are you on birth control? Are you off of it? Are you experiencing symptoms? Um, because again, I think that's the other thing too, right? We didn't even touch on this, but I'll say real quick, like if you come off of hormonal birth control, you haven't been ovulating maybe for like 20 years. In some cases, you're 35, you've been on it since you were 15 and uh, your body is like, what? We don't have hormones anymore. How do we even make hormones again? So there's quite a process. And oftentimes women are told, well, you'll just, you know, you'll within three months, you should get a period kind of thing. And, uh, and they, and I've had a woman come to me once and she hadn't had a period for five years. So she, and she, since she came off the pill and didn't know what to do was beside herself. So I think that the goal, like you said, right, is like bring all those minerals into your diet. Those are the little spark plugs. They're going to get all of the things going, the systems going that you need to, to ovulate again. Um, and the mitochondria as well, like your ovaries are little mitochondria powerhouses. So they need like vitamins, minerals, and all of the antioxidants. So Yes. Like I said, I talk a lot about this, you know, in all of my resources and on Instagram as well, too. So I feel like there are lots of ways that you can start the process. It looks different for different people. And, um, and also my website is nicolejardim.com. Mm. So good. Yeah. We'll put all of this in the show notes for you guys. So you can find Nicole. Her work is amazing. I mean, she's, I don't know how you managed to put out so much content because it's, it's really good. And it it all makes sense. Like there are some people that just like post like a lot of random stuff and I'm like, Oh, I can't feel like I, I don't know how to connect a lot of it, but it's all to me kind of like layers of understanding that all, you know, just help you have a better uh, perspective of your health. And so, and again, everything is so bio-individual. So we got to do this work. We got to learn it for ourselves and we got to know how to apply it. And that's why we have these conversations. So Nicole, thank you so much for being with us today. Always good to see you, my friend. We're gonna have to do another, another trip. We'll rope Dr. Motley into, you know, bringing his snakes and his, his, hey. you know, what is that? <laughs> you're, you're, you're in your Cherokee, whatever i don't know I, you okay, guys guys this, this is what see his outfit courtney is, is just literally badgering me about <laughs> i can't wait you gotta set yourself okay. up there buddy <laughs> i mean hey i'm a guy full of pattern i'm i'm a textured person 
in my emotions. <laughs> That's how I thrive. That's what I do. And Courtney is making oh me second guess who I am. Just you no. Know, anyway, Courtney, I get along really well. right now. He, he um, really is. So gotta it's watch my vibe. Too. Yeah. I really like these countries. Actually, I may get a new hat guys. So it's going to be coming up soon too. And nobody cares that I just said that, it's, but it's, I can't oh, believe you're not wearing a hat. I love Wait, wearing I hats. Like a hat would really complement this outfit. I do have a really great new hat, but my good friend, um, Ashley and, uh, but I, I'm trying to get confidence. It's not confidence. It's just like in the camera. I don't know if my hat will show, but I need to start wearing because I love wearing hats. Yeah. So for all of you guys listening out there, they're going to be like, that has nothing to do with ovarian health, buddy. <laughs> you are just we started. We started there. We may as well just round out this conversation I mean, by ending yes. there. Oh, yes, one of my good friends got me this shirt and I really love it. It's so warm. It's like one of those shirts you can wear like in the wintertime, seriously, like a little undershirt. And then this one, it's like, it's comfy. It's like, it's like getting a nice little hug every single time you put it on. It should be like a fashion summer. Aren't you hot? Um, okay. So my, uh, you guys, my buddy, Dave, who's here at the house, we have called the studio house. He has it here as, um, when Dr. Axe is in here doing some recordings and all they, their philosophy is keep it as cold as you can keep it because it's better for your immune health. But for me, I'm a thin dude. And so, I mean, like when I walk in, I'm like, good heavens, I need a hot tub. Oh. So anyway, but I'm getting more used to it though. Um, but yeah, Nicole, we're going to have even more fun times. All right. For everybody out there who enjoyed this podcast, I want you guys to like, and subscribe and click buttons, give us some comments, um, get on to Courtney about how she doesn't like my Southwest shirt. I'm going to have to do a little therapy about this. And from all of us here, no, anyway, from all of us here at the ancient health podcast, we love y'all. Thanks Nicole for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.